the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is Sean Azaro, and you are listening to Reaching for Real Life. Thank you so much for joining us here on Reaching for Real Life with Pastor Sean Azaro. That is the voice that you hear at the beginning of the show. Mm. You hear him on Sunday mornings. Did you do a book on tape for your... Uh, your uh... Oh, yeah. No, I did the audio. On, Where for is a that? Pilgrim's Guide. Can I get that on Amazon, too? Yeah, you, you can get it at Amazon. You can get it at... Um... You know, it's, audible, it's audible. audible. I've got the guy. You know, the introductory guy. Yeah. This is audible. That guy. That's the best. I've got that guy right. doing the books. That's cool. Have you seen this? Uh, now, this has been on my Facebook uh, feed a lot here. Uh, it is Snoop Dogg reading the Bible. I they, I don't have it's, that. It's a deep fake thing where they take his voice and they can say make him say anything, and so they you can he can read John. So he didn't really do it. No, it's a manipulation of his voice. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Well, okay, okay, sure, <laughs> sure. I mean, I think that would bring it to life for some people. The thief comes to for shizzle and <laughs> all that good stuff. That's pretty cool. Hey, again, welcome to Reaching for Real Life with Pastor Sean. We are back in the uh, in the hollow halls of the Real Life Amphitheater. Mm. It's uh, kind of chilly, misty out there, Pastor Sean. Weather's yep. good. Nothing's leaking today. That's good. Yes, that is good. And it's it, it's not as cold as it was last time we were in here. I like that, too. Uh, but uh, Pastor Sean, a lot going on. On, always all the time by the way happy uh, valentine's day oh oh is that is that oh yes yes of course i've i've been making my feverish preparations as you should as you should <laughs> lots going on let's see we've got the super bowl this sunday yes we've got the state of the union tonight by the time this airs it'll be that's right you'll have already heard the state of the union you'll have been just captivated by the state of the union <laughs> i know i can't wait <laughs> i couldn't even watch the state of the union when like when bush was doing it I, actually i couldn't sit through a whole one with any president just there's cringe throughout well, Every it, it's not only that. It's if you could just we're so weird, divided, and you've got one half clapping for everything yeah. their president says, and then the next president then clap for nothing. It's like, dudes, come on! It's like we're not even grown ups. Mm-hmm. We can't have any sense of unity on anything. And it used to be that there was at least a little more. If a Republican president said something that's that supported things that democrats held dear the democrats would clap yeah. well it doesn't feel like that's the way it is anymore and vice versa yeah. so uh yes with that the, our annual illustration of division <laughs> is, is tonight and it'll be great well I, I dare say that the state of the union is good here at river city community church and uh and before we kind of dig into what we want to talk about today pastor sean i i also want to acknowledge there too that there's this also this global thing going on with this horrible earthquake uh, that's happened oh, in, yeah. in turkey Oh, and yeah. affecting the neighboring countries, uh, et cetera. And again, earthquakes yeah. and war. And, you know, here we go again in Europe. Uh, right. What's the pastor's perspective on that? How do we pray for these people? How do we help these people? Well, I think, this, I, I think that what you said, you already gave it, right? Mm-hmm. We pray. Mm-hmm. We pray. And then as we have opportunity with people that we know who are serving or ministering, we support where we can. You know, um, whenever there's great catastrophe like that, you know, we love Samaritan's Purse, the, oh, yeah. the 
uh, Franklin Graham's organization. They're always among the first there on the ground. One of the things they do so well is they connect with the Christian church and they launch and stage from Christian churches to go and minister to these places so that people, once even when they leave, there's a connection, there's a place for them to go to continue to get support and help. And so I think you pray, you look for places like that where you can serve and help, and then you, you do everything you can. You know, the wars and the rumors of wars, that's one of those things that it's, it's, it's tough because I've been around long enough to, to know, okay, multiple times in our history where there, there was war going on and then there's earthquakes and people right away start saying, is this what Jesus was talking about? Is this going to be the second coming? And I say, I don't know. I'll say it. No, <laughs> I've, seen, I've seen it enough times in my lifetime. Right. And we're a long way from that. I, I don't, I don't know. The Lord could come any day. I don't. I don't know. Yeah. You know, that that's the thing. Jesus said we don't know. And and the point I think and it's so important, I think he wanted that first generation of Christians, mm-hmm. first century, and every generation after living with the understanding that this isn't forever. And whether, and I've said this before, I'll say it again, whether he comes through the rapture of the church or the second coming or whether get hit by a bus on the way home, he's coming for us. The point is we're supposed to live with an eye on eternity. We're supposed to live remembering that this material world, this life is not all there is. So keep, remember, we are living for something eternal. Heaven is real. The spirit world is real. Live with an eye on eternity. Yeah. Again, bringing it back to the United States, uh, besides Valentine's Day, State of the Union, Super Bowl, mm, all these things. On? Well, it's also Black History Month. It's February. Happy Black History Month to you, Baron. I'll take that. Back at you, Pastor yep. Sean. We talk about these issues a lot on this program. Uh, this is something we do talk about because it's in our culture and it's something we celebrate. Well, yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, a lot of people today ask the question, okay, we've come so far. Why do we need Black History Month now? Okay. Actually, Black History Month began as Negro History Week, uh, 1926. Uh, oh, wow. It was supposedly chosen because it coincided with uh, the birthday of Abraham Lincoln on February 12th. Ah. And later on, it was expanded. Other groups contributed and, and added celebrations and remembrances and different things. And it was actually... Uh, 1970, like 1969, the idea in the 1970 actually implemented at Kent State University, they proposed a Black History Month. The first one actually was celebrated from January 2nd to February 28th, so it was like two months, Mm. and they focused that, and it was really initiated by black educators and the black United Students at Kent State. It wasn't until 1976 that President Gerald Ford, he's the one who recognized it officially uh, during the celebration of the Bicentennial. So that was kind of a neat United States 200 years old, and it kind of came into national recognition. It became a national thing that's done, and so it continues to be done to recognize the achievement of black educators, black leaders. Mm-hmm. Our school is actually participating and you know, just highlighting black history in the United States, the contributions of black leaders and, and educators and different, you know, just influencers. Yeah. And I think, I think it's an important time that some people really do think, well, but isn't, I mean, aren't we kind of now that's a part of history. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just a part of American history. And honestly, I would love to see the day because I, again, I'm all about unity. I would love to see the day when it's just a part of history and we do it's black there it in black history it's american history because well, that's, what morgan, that's what morgan freeman said did you see that interview that he did with mike wallace a while mm. back a long time ago mm. uh he said he goes i don't want a black history month and he goes he asked mike wallace you're jewish do you want a jewish history month and mike says no i don't need that and he goes well i don't want black history month either why can't it just be american history to your point well and i and i think that's a i think that's a great perspective there's so much so many things that have complicated 
uh, this this simple objective mm-hmm. of saying, hey, there's a group of people who many who grew up here, whose parents, grandparents, great-grandparents grew up here, were impacted by slavery in the United States. And I just think it's important that we understand their experience. I, I think it's important that we make sure we're hearing that because that shaped the direction of this country. Mm. This country was founded at a pivotal time. One of the important things that happens in Black History Month, and I, I think it's important that this actually happened, accurately teach the history of slavery in the U.S. and the world history. Mm. One of the things that I think is a distortion, I think some people try to say that, well, slavery is a uniquely American thing. No, it's not. That's just an uneducated. And anybody who buys that, just like, dude, pick up and read a book. Mm-hmm. Slavery has existed for thousands of years before the United States, mm-hmm. before any of this was thought of, before <laughs> Europe, you yeah. know, before Europe was in its current form. Obviously, slavery has been something that has been a part of world history where one people was strong enough to subjugate another. They did it. We all know, obviously, as Christians, we have the Old Testament. We know the Jewish people were slaves. The Hebrew people were slaves under Egypt. Throughout world history, slavery has existed. The United States was was not unique in that. And anybody who tries to tell you they can, now now you know there's another agenda. But to actually teach the history of slavery in the U.S. Mm -hmm. and then to teach the emancipation of slaves. And then, you know, just because there was the Emancipation Proclamation doesn't mean that there wasn't years of problem and oppression and slavery literally to overcome. Right. Uh, When you have generations of people who have been enslaved, that's something that it takes generations to walk out of. And so I think it's important that that history is taught accurately and, uh, and that we understand that the sin that was committed against slaves by people who helped enslave them, by people in other countries that brought them here, by people in this country that Mm -hmm. took them and enslaved them, by owners who held them, all these things, those have to be recognized and acknowledged. And then you have to acknowledge, well, what was the process of re-entering in? And now, okay, so you're free, but I've been a slave and my parents were slaves, my grandparents were slaves. How do I be free in the United States? And what does that look like? And what about the fact that people still see me differently? They still see me, and they see me as a slave. I don't have the education. I hadn't had the opportunities. And so understanding that and teaching that Mm -hmm. and recognizing it is an important part of education, and it's one of the purposes of of Black History Month. Back to what you're doing at the school here. Are you all focusing? Are you all honoring, recognizing leaders? And who comes to mind when it comes to to that category? Oh, yeah. Well, obviously, the great Martin Luther King is the the king. (laughs) (laughs) And I think it's important to recognize that Martin Luther King was a minister and a civil rights leader, mm-hmm. and that it was his faith that was front and center as he preached the message of justice and of freedom and of just seeing his people as people. And I love his message. I love his approach. And, and we're going to talk about that in a little bit because his approach was one of recognizing his community as people. And remember his, his great quote, he wants his kids to be recognized not for the color of their skin, but for the content of their character, that they would be judged, mm-hmm. not by the, the color of the skin, but the content of their character, which of course resonates. That, mm-hmm. that was such a powerful statement of vision. And he's one who I think just his message, his method, his peaceful but persistent and bold statements, he was an incredible orator and visionary. He gave voice. Yeah, exactly. He gave voice to something 
that certainly the black community felt and recognized, but I think also many white people who were kind of just passive mm-hmm. um, saw and heard and said, he's right. Mm-hmm. And it, it motivated them to action. We had um, Dr. Shelby Steele mm-hmm. on our podcast. That's right. Uh, he is um, a fellow at the Hoover Institute at Stanford University. Uh, he himself, again, both he and Sol, participants in the civil rights movement yeah. who um, have done great work on, I think, critically challenging and questioning some of the new approaches to what we call anti-racism, mm-hmm. right? Uh, people, one of the things that make people uncomfortable, I think, about uh, Black History Month being taught in schools and things is because of where schools have gone. Because, you know, when we were growing up, Black History Month was, or, or maybe not, maybe not you and I, no, we're a little no, bit exactly. older. <laughs> but when our kids were growing up, Black History Month was, oh, it was just understood and it was a, a good, important time. Of course, in recent years, people have become very concerned because of some of the ways things have been taught. Some of the, what they're, you know, they're saying, hey, they're teaching critical race theory in oh, yeah. our, our schools, CRT. And it's like, well, usually they're not mm-hmm. because CRT is a complex legal theory. Uh, but it actually is really influential in the, what we'll call the new anti-racism that is being taught in many schools and many education schools and many teachers. And it's just this framework and it's kind of redefining the founding of America, redefining uh, how, how race should be resolved. And it's something that I, I unapologetically say, no, yeah. I, I reject. I really want the focus to be on unity. And I, if you're listening to this and you kind of have some concerns about this and say, Hey, what, you know, how do I respond in the face of some people are very concerned I mean, we, we, I even heard from people who are concerned, wait a minute, our schools recognizing Black History Month, is that, are we doing that in a good way mm-hmm. or are we doing it in the way? there is a politic behind it. Right. You know? Exactly. More specifically, uh, I'll just say this. I'm very proud to be uh, here from South Texas in San Antonio, which happens to host the largest Martin Luther King March in the country. Wow. And if, yeah, 200,000 people, I guess, maybe participate in that every yep. year. It's a, you know, COVID killed it and it's coming really right. back strong. Right. But so help me, that is the picture of unity because right. in a, a dominantly a Hispanic town right. where again, the black community is the smallest one compared to the, the Hispanics. And the white. And it's, it's a beautiful exhibition, uh, you know, of that displayed, right. but there is a politic in there with, with the black Lives matter signs and, and the divisive, you know, maybe who, who's president or whatnot. Yeah. So I, I can understand that concern. Right. How do you do it the right way, Pastor Sean? That's such a great question, and that's the problem. The Black Lives Matter movement has done so much harm to the cause of unity mm-hmm. and true uh, the, the eradication of real racism in the United States because it went so far beyond. Of course, Black Lives Matter. How can you? Of course, Black Lives Matter. Everybody right. understands and agrees with that idea. But then this idea, they, all these other things were tagged along. And when you start attacking historically white, the whites in America and you start attacking all white people are racist, all white people are privileged, all, it's like, okay, that is a Marxist-based divisive kind of power play. And that's really what it is. It's a, it's mm-hmm. a way to shame uh, a, a group of people into doing what you want instead of actually working to bring equality and working to bring unity. Mm. That's the thing I want, I want to just say over and over. The main thing that I want to encourage is that we are wanting to focus on unity mm-hmm. as we teach. Hey, you're listening to Reaching for Real Life with Pastor Sean Azaro. Uh, Pastor Sean, I recently heard someone say, and boy, this is, this is kind of a biggie, 
uh, under the umbrella of the church, and this program is a lot about the church's perspective, mm-hmm. or how, how, do we, how do we as Christians handle, handle this? Why are there still black churches and white churches? If you want to see division, they say, well, this, it's happening still in the church. Uh, that's a great point. Uh, a lot of people talk about, you know, Sunday morning is the most segregated hour of the week. Mm-hmm. I think that's a bit deceptive uh-huh. because, honestly, churches are communities. They're based in communities. They're Generally, people live close to their churches. We're, they're voluntary. Mm. We choose. True. You know, we choose who we go to church with. And, and their styles, you know, there are styles that I'm comfortable with. So people choose based on those things. I don't go to any churches and see whites only, blacks only. You don't see that, okay? Right. I, I've gone into an all-black church. and Which I, is awesome, by the way. Yeah, and I was welcomed. <laughs> I, I, I was welcomed. Yeah. You know, yes. Do I stand out? Uh-huh. Yes. <laughs> and I'm sure my black brothers and sisters have walked into some white churches and completely stood out. You go to bigger cities. Mm-hmm. You know, and where they're larger churches and they're probably much more blended. Our church is blended. Our mm-hmm. church has, our church really reflects our area in a lot, a lot of ways. I mean, sure. predominantly Anglo, probably good number of Hispanics, and then a fair African American presence. Because you're right near the military base, which is yeah. again, the ultimate melting pot exactly. for us. Exactly. And so, but it, but that doesn't mean I'm going to sit in judgment on going to a, a small church in an area of town that is predominantly black? Well, yeah, the congregation is probably going to be predominantly black. Yeah. I go to another area that's predominantly white, yeah, it's probably going to be predominantly white. And it's more about comfort. I remember hearing a lady years ago speaking. Her, her name was Verna Myers. Uh, at the time, I think she was marketing uh, with a large corporation. I heard her at a conference. Mm. And she made a, uh, she made a very, very profound statement that really hit me. She said, diversity is being invited to the party. And I'm thinking about our church and thinking about mm. how we operate and everything. Diversity is being invited to the party. Inclusion is being asked to dance. Yeah. And that was such a uh, an eye-opening perspective. Mm. In the context of the church, I very much sat and thought about that. I'm like, okay, people who are different, and I, I'm not just talking about black believers who are in our church. I'm talking Hispanic or people who are older or younger. This idea, we're a diverse congregation. How are we doing at inclusion, making sure everybody is asked to dance? Everybody's yeah. a part. Everybody has an, a, a path to leadership. You know, and that's, that's where it gets more challenging. Mm-hmm. So I, I think every church should kind of look at that and say, are we a place where no matter who someone is, what their history is, they come here, they feel embraced. Mm-hmm. They feel an open pathway to discover Jesus, Amen. to hear his word for them, to get involved in community, to get involved in ministry and leadership, and wherever God God's gifting would take them, they can experience that at our fellowship. And so that's that's why we, I mean, that, that's that's one of the things we focus on as a church. Well, I'll give honor where honor is due, Pastor Sean. You practice what you preach, and uh, you opened up the doors of River City Community Church a couple of years ago, I think after maybe the George Floyd thing, and yeah. we, you had a panel, Trey Ware hosted the event. Oh, yeah. And that yeah. was very, it was a wonderful unity vision here of the church in San Antonio. Yeah, yeah it was. It was really great. And, and and I'm telling you, it is a powerful experience to sit down with someone mm-hmm. who is different than you are. And, you know, Black History Month is a good time more than just studying history, but to say, how can we do more of that? Mm. To sit down and talk to, and more than that, listen to someone whose total experience is different. Because, man, there are some Black leaders in this community that I love mm-hmm. and I respect, they're brilliant, they're accomplished, but man, do we see things differently 
And the importance of that is their experience is different than mine. Mm-hmm. The hill I will die on is people are the same. We have different backgrounds, experiences. We're d- different giftings and all that, of course. But we're all sinners. And so if you look at people of color and you have a prejudice or you have some sort of predetermined bias against them, um, that is rooted in sin and it is a problem. If you look at all white people and say, well, they're kind of racist, that's a problem. Yeah. You are, you're doing the exact same thing. And, and it's based on the sin nature. It's, mm-hmm. it's something that is rooted in our flesh. And Jesus Christ came so we could be forgiven and so we could be set free, filled with his spirit, and we could see people differently. See, the church needs to be a leader in this. Right. Because one thing that I don't care what color someone's skin is, I don't care what your background is, I don't care anything. When you're a follower of Jesus, you and I have the same spiritual DNA. Mm-hmm. And that's really important. We may disagree on issues. Now, I'll tell you what, if we're going to put our politics first, if we're going to put our racial ambitions first, whatever they may be, we're probably going to have a problem. If we put Jesus first and the Spirit of God in us first, then we can come together on anything. And we hear each other better. We understand each other. And in those kind of conversations, I love having my assumptions challenged Mm. by someone who's just been different places and seen different things. But if someone right away pigeonholes me, oh, well, you're white, you're privileged, and you're a racist. Okay, now that's a non-starter, and it's going to be very hard for us to learn from one another. Mm -hmm. You said something earlier there, too, what Jesus did for us, and that was shed his blood. And last time I checked, everybody's blood is one color. Well, that's right. And yeah, and I mean, that's the kind of thing we got to remember, that this is such a... And it saddens me that we still wrestle with this after Mm -hmm. all these years, Mm -hmm. because we all know this, right? Uh, But yet it is still there. Hmm. One of the things I want to just challenge all of us in is the idea you could say, okay, man, I want to make the most of Black History Month. I want to, my kids are in school. I want to be supportive. I want to help. What, what do I do? Dive in. Yeah. Be a part. Listen. Get with somebody. Hmm. You know, learn from somebody different than you. And, and here's something so important. And this is what I really want to encourage you to do. And if you're dealing with public schools, you're dealing with public universities and, or things like that, you, you, you're, it's just going to be a little more of a challenge. You got to reject the haters. You just have to say no. Just literally, we're going to have to start being stubborn on this. Take the most backwoods, you know, they've got the Confederate flag in their pickup truck and they come in and they start doing racial slurs and saying, hey, you would stand up and you would say, no, no, not here. Right. We're not interested. We don't want you. We don't want that. You have to do the same thing to the CRT shaped new anti-racism warriors who want to bring a hateful message of division and want to constantly stir up strife and division. You just say no. I reject it. Good. You don't have to take that. You don't have to listen to that. You don't have to be influenced by it. Just say no. Mm. Choose the unifying message of Dr. King. Choose the unifying message of Scripture. There's neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female. We are one in Christ and love people. See, that's what you want to take out of Black History Month. I, I, I hope, for most of us, we're not going to have a whole lot of necessarily involvement, right? Mm-hmm. This podcast may be as close as you come to an actual conversation on Black History Month, you know, but your kids in school or your maybe your company does some extra things. Make the most of it. Mm-hmm. The question of should there have to be a Black History Month? Well, that's a question, but there is. There is Black History Month. So let's appreciate it. Let's make our black brothers and sisters know that we love them, we care for them, we support them. Yeah, And to my black brothers and sisters, do the same to your white brothers and sisters. Right. Let them know you love them, you care for them, you support them. Help them. If they come to you and want to have a conversation about race, 
you know, that can be uncomfortable. If we can't do that as brothers and sisters in Christ, right. we're messed up. And to my black brothers and sisters, I would encourage you, be patient, mm. take the time, and it's worth it. And you might sit and go, well, it's not my job to help educate. Well, well then whose job is it? Yeah. You, can't, you can't be frustrated that, oh, these people aren't educated about what it's like to be black when you're not willing to help educate someone. Mm. Educate someone. Spend some time with them. Have a cup of coffee. That's how it happens. And we as Christians, man, if we can't do this, nobody can. And I, I believe the church is the key because I think the church, there are the glimpses of, man, you get to see the glimpses of these communities that are, that are blended culturally, racially, socioeconomically, and it's a beautiful thing. All right, Pastor Sean, final question, my friend, in the history of man, this is the first time, the first year, that two black men are quarterbacks in the Super Bowl. Is that true? That is true. true. Wow. Prediction. Oh, dude. Kansas City Chiefs, Philadelphia Eagles. I don't know. A lot's going to depend on the ankle of Patrick Mahomes. Yes. Because here's the thing. Philadelphia's defense is just tough and brutal. Um, Jalen Hurts is outstanding, mm-hmm. and their offense is great as well. Man, Patrick Mahomes is just different. Yeah, yeah. When he, if he's, he's mobile and able to move around, he just sees things other people don't see. He yeah. can be falling down, and he's watch him play. He's like a kid on the playground. He's having fun, uh-huh. falling down, being tackled, and he'll flip the ball, yeah, yeah. you know, twenty five yards to an open <laughs> tight end, and you're like, dude, uh-huh. seriously? Yeah. So I don't know. I feel like man. Prediction. I'll go. I'll I'll commit. One of these guys. <laughs> the Bears aren't going to win this year. Uh, I, I will, based on my, because I don't know about the ankle of Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. You know? Right. Uh, I'm going to say the Chiefs. Go. Oh, I'll, Chiefs. I'll say the Eagles. All right. I'll see you next week. Okay. I'll see you next week. <laughs> Take us home, Pastor Sean. Hey, thanks for listening. And uh, it's been just a... Mm-hmm. Great to be with you and having a conversation. Again, if you're in our area, come by River City Community Church. We meet 9.30, 11.30 on Sunday mornings. We'd love to have you. We're in the middle of a series called Gospel People. It's a study of the book of Colossians, and it's been great. Let me just pray for us before we go. Lord, thank you so much just for our listeners and for this month, Black History Month. I pray that we would um, not get involved in the politics of all of it, but that we would just be great for an opportunity to learn and grow and understand uh, someone who's maybe different than us in our community. And that's whether we're white or black, I pray that we would take this this opportunity to connect with someone who's a little bit different and that that would be a blessing. Lord, we thank you. We bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.